This episode brings an update on various tax events, what is happening in the IRS, the tax court, and other areas of taxes that affect people throughout this year, especially what is happening in November. So thank you for tuning in to Tax Justice Warriors. Welcome to Tax Justice Warriors, the podcast that celebrates the work of low-income taxpayer clinics, focuses on tax controversy work, and looks at related issues in tax news. I'm your host, William Schmidt, the director of the Low-Income Taxpayer Clinic at Kansas Legal Services. For this episode, I wanted to bring different updates for what is happening in the world of taxes particularly in the United States with the IRS and the tax court, what is going on at this point, especially with some big changes happening in November. So to begin with, I wanted to look again at economic impact payments. So while several people have received their economic impact payments, that at least 160 million economic impact payments have been distributed by the IRS, which is a feat that must be applauded for all of the hard work the IRS has done. There are still people who have not received their economic impact payment, so there are some pushes to contact those people and get them connected with their payment still this year. So to go back through the eligibility, generally people who are a U.S. citizen or U.S. resident alien would receive an economic impact payment of $1,200, and it would be $2,400 based off a joint return for a married couple if they are not dependents of another taxpayer and they have a social security number valid for employment The adjusted gross income should not exceed $150,000 if married and filing a joint return, $112,500 if filing as head of household, or $75,000 for an eligible individual using any other filing status. The payment is reduced by 5% of the amount by which your adjusted gross income exceeds the applying threshold above. Now, people the IRS states are not eligible for a payment is if you may be claimed as a dependent on another taxpayer's return. So a child or student who may be claimed on a parent's return or a dependent parent who may be claimed on adult child's return. You're not eligible if you do not have a social security number valid for employment, if you are a non-resident alien, and they are stating that the following are also not eligible a deceased individual, or an estate or trust. So the IRS is doing a push of November 10 being National Economic Impact Payment Registration Day, trying to get people who may be eligible for an economic impact payment but normally would not file a tax return. So the IRS has already sent out nearly 9 million letters to people who may be eligible, and that is to contact people before the November 21 deadline to register for their payments. Now that focus is on people who receive little or no income and that could potentially be people who are homeless. Now again, 
it would be $1,200 for an individual adult, another $1,200 if it is within a married couple, and there have been $500 payments for dependents claimed by the single or married couple. And I have tried working with people who were having difficulties receiving their payment even when they applied. The number that people can call is 1-800-919-9835, though it is my understanding that they are generally able to provide basic help. So if you are needing some more advanced help, then you can ask to be transferred to someone else within the IRS to assist you. Now there is also IRS Form 3911. Now that is a form to file if regarding a taxpayer statement regarding a refund that you are giving information to the IRS to track a refund that should have been paid out but that you did not receive. Now I wanted to circle back regarding the eligible individuals that after the legislation regarding the economic impact payments, that after that there were statements saying that deceased individuals and prisoners were not going to receive any payments, and that did not line up with the statutory language. Now since then, there has been litigation regarding the prisoners, the case Scholl v. Mnuchin, that there was a permanent injunction entered, that the IRS could not deny payments to someone incarcerated if they met the general requirements that I gave earlier, that there is a court-ordered deadline of November 4, which likely will pass before I post this episode. So after that, then the prisoners or someone incarcerated who is eligible also has the November 21 deadline. Now, some of it, the guidance when talking to certain people at the IRS on the phone, that there is the possibility of receiving the payment as part of the 2020 tax return in next filing season, so I looked at the draft instructions and form that, yes, technically, if someone does not qualify during our calendar year 2020, then they could potentially receive their payment on their next year's tax return. The issue, though, is that it is treated just like the other refundable credits. There is no bypass for receiving the payment when filing the tax return. So if a person would owe taxes and is also receiving an economic impact payment, then there is the possibility then that those taxes owed could reduce or entirely wipe out the entire economic impact payment that would have been a refund. So that is why the November 21 deadline is critical for individuals to receive their full payment because if they are trying next year, 
there is the possibility that taxes would reduce it and they would not receive their payment at all or just receive a reduced payment. So that is part of what the urgency is about for taxpayers to receive their economic impact payment. Okay, I wanted to turn to another point of change in November that those of you who use the tax court website, the tax court will be launching a new case management system. The term or the name for the system is docket access within a secured online network. That acronym is Dawson and it is partly named for a celebrated tax court judge, Judge Dawson, but that the current e-filing system for the tax court will become unavailable at 5 p.m. Eastern on November 20, and it is expected to be active again by December 28. So hopefully during that time, people will not need to file documents with the tax court, but if they do, then there needs to be regular mailing. The court is not open to walk-in submissions, so people need to file petitions or other documents with the tax court by mail and not electronically for roughly a month during that period. Now, in some prior discussions by tax court judges, the system sounds like it will be better at providing search tools in looking for documents, that there will also be better updates. For example, if the attorney updates their address of record, then all of their cases will receive a notice of the updated address. But also one item that I have paid attention to and the Procedurally Taxing blog group has paid attention to is that there will be a change regarding designated orders. It sounds like they will continue through November 20, but after that they will no longer be available through the website that orders will no longer be designated. Now one thought from the judges is that there would be more I believe it was bench opinions that would be issued, but also they were stating that the orders will be more searchable on a regular basis, and the longer the order issued, the more likely it would be notable. So I want to comment on that, that in working the designated orders reviews for the last few years, that a designated order has not necessarily been longer, making it more important that the designated orders generally range in length from two to eight, ten pages. So the length of the order does not necessarily mean whether it is important or not. But within the procedurally taxing group, we have talked it over and the regular contributors about the orders that the four of us will likely start reporting about other items related to the tax court or the IRS, but we are still figuring out what that will mean. Now, the last item I wanted to note 
is regards the status of the IRS, that for one thing, the IRS had a backlog of mail that had built up while their campuses were closed and people were not working within various IRS centers or offices. So based off that, the 500 series of balance due notices to the taxpayers were suspended. This included the CP501 notice alerts to individual taxpayers that they still have a balance due and it provided their options. The CP503 that alerts taxpayers that the IRS has not heard from them and they be subject to a lien if they do not pay. And the CP504 that alerts taxpayers that they must pay their balances immediately or possibly face a levy of their state income tax refunds. Well, a recent IRS email newsletter stated that the IRS will resume issuing the 500 series balance due notices to taxpayers, that the notices had been paused on May 9th, it states that the mail backlog is now caught up enough to account for the timely mailed payments. In late October or early November, some taxpayers will begin seeing the updated 500 series notices with current issuance and payment dates. Now, in my editorializing, I would wonder how timely these notices can be if the IRS is not entirely caught up with their backlog of mail and it makes me wonder what they mean by the mail backlog is now caught up enough to account for the timely mailed payments. In my tour of the Kansas City IRS campus, there was a process at the beginning of seeing how they process mail where first there are looking for payments or checks, money orders of any kind that they put the correspondence up to a light box. So I think potentially they may have checked all of the mail to be sure that there are no outstanding payments within them, but I do not believe all of the mail would have been processed at this point. So I am curious what the determination was in this. Now, to some degree, in hearing reports from the IRS that there are collection issues that have halted right now just because the IRS has been sympathetic to people with the COVID-19 pandemic and they realize that more people have economic problems at this point. Also, there are more people within the IRS who have been working from home rather than from the IRS service centers or offices. So it has been tricky to say how much the IRS is fully back to normal, though it seemed like they were slowly ramping up their different processes. Now, usually toward the end of the calendar year, November or December, some things within the IRS slow down as they allow people to take some time off before they ramp up into the next tax season. Hopefully the next tax season is 
more straightforward and normal than the last two years have been, but we will have to wait and see. So hopefully the IRS can get back into a groove of being normal soon with their operations, but we will just have to wait and see what the coming months bring in the next tax season. So hopefully this has been a good update for you on the status of different things with the IRS and the tax court. I hope you are educated on what is happening, and I thank you again for tuning in to Tax Justice Warriors. Thank you for listening to Tax Justice Warriors. We have a Patreon page if you'd like to support this podcast. Providing monetary support for this podcast helps with expenses like equipment or travel to tax conferences. Supporting this podcast through Patreon comes with rewards, so check out our Patreon page. Please rate or review this podcast because positive reviews help get more people to know this podcast exists. The views expressed on this podcast are not official opinions of the IRS, the Low Income Taxpayer Clinic Program, or the employers of the people who spoke on this program. Your tax situation is unique, so do not take the statements on this program as tax or legal advice. Consult with your own tax professional to provide you with specific advice on your situation. Tune in next time on Tax Justice Warriors for another interesting tax discussion.